and you may be seated. Look at that person next to you and say, Merry Christmas Sunday. Yes. This is our, our Christmas Sunday, pretty much, because we're five days away from, um, from Christmas, four days away from uh, Christmas Eve, and, and um, some of you guys are getting ready with the Caja China. If you do that, uh, I know we're in Hialeah, so I will say Caja China with pride today. Amen. Amen. So, so we're pretty excited for, for Christmas coming up and, and for everything that goes on. Many of us are just excited for, for a few days break. How many of you could praise the Lord for that? No? Not all of you get a break. Sorry. I'm hoping that some of you get a break here and there and just get to rest a little bit. But today I, I want to jump into the second part of our, um, this short series called Unwrapped. And last week we spoke a little bit about wrapping Christmas and, and we discussed it from a different perspective, which I know it blessed my life. I hope it blessed yours. And today we're going to talk about unwrapping Christmas. Unwrapping. Just a little, um, just a little um, run through from last week as we shared on wrapping Christmas. We, we spoke on Christ entering the world. And as he entered the world, he was wrapped in a manger. Does anyone remember? He was wrapped in a manger as a sign of what? Anyone remember? A sign of, uh, right, a gift, a sign of life. Remember, the manger meant life. And then Christ exited the world wrapped in a tomb. And that tomb, he was wrapped as a sign of what? Death. Conquering death. Having victory over death. And then as they went looking for his body in that tomb, we see that he leaves behind. He left behind the wrapping. And that wrapping as well was a sign so that we could be what? A gift to others. Very good. And we discussed those three points, and we discussed um, wrapping Christmas, wrapping Christmas. But the beauty behind that is, is I, I, we have a beautiful wrapping, and I think we had to touch it up because some people last week, right, you remember. But, but the beauty behind Christmas, and, and we, we said that we, we really enjoy uh, this part, which is either to give it or even to receive it. But especially when we were younger, we loved the whole aspect of, man, I just want to rip this thing up. I remember when I was little, and I'm sure you do too, um, you know, you had the gifts that you're, if you did the whole Santa thing, I know that there are different people with, with, with different um, philosophies and beliefs, and that's okay, but when I was little, we did the whole Santa thing, and um, I remember that we had gifts from the family, and then tomorrow, or at night, Santa's going to bring more stuff, but the ones from the family were a headache, because, you know, they come in all different objects, all different sizes, and, and, and you just wanted to look at them. And I just remember sometimes, because it was a strict rule, don't touch them, don't look at it. Because, you know, you would just wait to see if there was just a little opening, if you could see the box, man. Just a little, how many of you did that? Thank you. Just a little opening, man, just a little opening. Just a little opening. Sometimes we'd be like, oops, uh, it just kind of opened, I don't know what to tell you. Kind of, I don't but the beauty behind this is, is really unwrapping the gift, right? How many of you would rejoice with me and say, yeah, unwrapping Christmas. It's such a beauty. And, and this is cool because we spoke a little bit about God being in his glory and yet coming and taking off his glory. And he comes and he wraps himself with humanity. Inside. Inside. You want to see what's inside? No, there's something inside. Seriously. You guys want to see it? You guys don't seem excited to see what's inside. You know what's crazy about this? One of you might win what's inside of this. So are you guys excited to see what's inside? Thank you for your excitement. Wow. But this is the thing. With, 
this is the thing about what's inside. There's three gifts. And I'm going to wait for candlelight service. I don't want to break them. But I'm going to wait for candlelight service to reveal those three things. Because those three things are going to mean a lot to you on Friday. Those three things are going to mean a lot to the visitors that are going to come in here. I'm going to leave the other two wrapped just to give someone the, the opportunity and all that. But, but I believe that's going to bless your life. So you know what? We won't open it today. We'll save that, that, that jewel for, for Friday. So it, really, I, I'm sorry to leave a teaser behind. But if you want to see what's in those three things, you, you just those three gifts, you need to be here on Friday. I don't know what else to tell you. We're not going to take any videos or put any pictures of those three things up because you're not going to find out what it is unless you come to church on Friday. At what time? To drink what? And to eat what? And to praise who? Someone said churros. Marty's going to buy some churros. <laughs> Brother, you better get some churros, right? But for sure, we're going to have some crackers and cookies and hot chocolate. And Maori, if he doesn't come with a bag of churros, well, Maori. Just don't come on Friday, brother. <laughs> Just don't come. But um, today, as, as I unwrapped that gift, but I'm not going to reveal the gift because on Friday, Friday's uh, message, which would, will be a little bit shorter because it's an hour service, will be called The Gift. And that's when we reveal what's inside, The Gift. But today, as we speak on unwrapping Christmas and we enter this, today's message, um, we shared that whole aspect of how fun it is to unwrap these gifts and how fun it is to watch others unwrap gifts given to them. And how often, though, as we get into today's word, do we go on in our walk? How often do we go on in this faith with Christ, but we don't give true recognition or remembrance of what Christ stepped out of? How often? What did Christ step out of? in order to step into our world. Like, seriously, do you go every single day thinking about that? We don't. Just think about that for a moment and let that settle for a second. What Christ stepped out of in order to step into our world. Because I know that if you're anything like me, man, we, we could pray often. And how often do we worship and read his word? We even fellowship. We serve. Whatever it is, we preach. Whatever it is that we could do for the glory of God. But we do all this, all of this, while giving little or no remembrance of what exactly Christ did so that we could have this kind of relationship with him or have these kind of opportunities to share with him, like wrapping gifts and receiving from him. But what I love about today's message that I want you to receive and what I love about this Christmas season as a time of remembrance is this, that he made all this possible. How many of you can say amen to that? He made it possible by making himself known to us, by making himself available to us, I love this one, and relating to us. He didn't have to relate to us, not once. And Christ relates himself to us. And how in the world does he relate or make himself available to us? He does this by unwrapping his glory and coming to us and taking on all limitations of man. If I pinch you, it pinches. If I stab you, you bleed. Right? If I cut you, you bleed. Cut. Stab is a little hard. But if I cut you, man, you know, I saw Star Wars, so I'm stabbing people. All right. The force, I'm gonna, I said I'm not going to do it, but I'm going to do it. The force is strong today in here. The presence of God. All right, here we go. Any Star Wars fans? 
I just became one, like, last week. Weird. All right. Weird. But that's what he did. He unwrapped that, his glory, and he came to us, took on all limitations. And I want to share a passage from you. This is what unwrapping Christmas means to me. I, I don't know if it means this to you, but it definitely means this to me. And I want to share um, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 with you. And I hope it really just settles in your heart and blesses you as it blessed me in my time of reading it this week. In Philippians 2, that's a water break. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. I'm going to read from from the message translation, but follow along with me in 5 through 8. He says this, Think of yourselves the way Christ thought of himself. Look what he says. He had equal status with God, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Love that. I read that and I'm like, this is cool because Christ clung to us rather than clinging to his own glory. He, he decided to, to just cling on to us of that status no matter what. And then it says, when the time came, he, he set aside the privileges of deity. Deity, him being God. He... he he did away and he set aside the privileges that comes from being a king. The privileges from, from, that come from being a, 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 the Messiah, the Lord, the Savior, the creator of all things created. He set all the privileges aside. How many of us would do that? Not many. Not many. He sets them aside and he took on the status of a man? No. Of a what? Of a slave man. He took on the, the status of a slave and he became human. And having became human, watch this, he also what? Stayed human. You know what that means, right? He didn't go into the game and then he started, started like, never mind, I'm out. And he just like exited the game. Like he came into this world, released himself from the glory that he was in. And as he was here, he's like, I'm here to stay like this. I'm here to remain. I'm here to, to end this. I'm here to, to go through the process of what God the Father wants me to go through here. And it says here in this translation, he stays human. He takes on all, not some, not a few, mm, not some of these, but he takes on all limitations of man. Just like we bleed, if we get cut, he would bleed. Just like we hurt, he would get hurt. We know that. He's cried at a funeral one time. We know that. We know that he has feelings. We know that he has emotions. We know that he has pains because, because when they hit him with those, with those whips, with, with, with pieces of metal and animal bones, he yelled and he screamed and he cried. He felt what we feel as humans. He took on all limitations of mankind. That's what Christmas is about. But then he says this to the church of Philippi. He says, it was an incredibly humbling process. I would say so. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life. And watch what it says next. And then he died a selfless, obedient death. And hey, by the way, it was the worst kind of death, he says. It was a death of what? Of crucifixion. Of crucifixion. 
You know, I, I started to ponder on this and, and read this passage, and I said, my goodness, can you imagine being alive during the time when this was written and given to this church of Philippi? What a revelation this was to the church of Philippi when they first read it. What an amazing Renovation, what, what, uh, what an amazing like, gift being opened before them. I just thought about like, the unwrapping, and I'm like, oh my God, imagine how they salivated over this scripture, the church of Philippi in Paul's day when they first received this. When they got to see who this Christ really was and what he really did and what he was going to do now forever because of his actions and because of his sacrifice and because of him coming to this earth. What an amazing passage. And I read Philippians, I say, this is Christmas. This is Christ unwrapped, giving himself to us to make God known. How many of you could say amen? To make God known. Sharing in our humanity. Guys, do not miss this. Sharing in our humanity so that we could share in his glory. That deserves a praise. Sharing in our humanity so that we could share in his glory. I want to read and skip through Hebrews chapter 4. If you're taking notes, I'm going to read first, verse 15 first, Hebrews 4.15. And look what the author of Hebrews says. It says, He understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings that we do, and yet he did not sin. I told you, this is Christmas. Christ understands our weaknesses. He faced all those same testings, but yet still he did not sin. So so he's the greater man. He is the man Christ. And then in chapter 5, verse 2, it says, And he is able to deal gently with ignorant and wayward people. Any amens? No ignorant and wayward people? He's able to deal gently with us. Thank you, Lord. Because if I was God and and I saw someone like me, I would have struck him dead already. Like I would be gone. How many of you would just be gone already if you were God? You would have done away with yourself. And he's able to deal gently with us ignorant and wayward people because look what it says next. Because he himself is subject to the same weaknesses. Skip down to verse 7 in Hebrews 4, and look what he says next. He says, while Jesus was here on earth, look at, look at his humanity for a moment here. He offered up prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and with tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Verse 8 says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. That's good. And then in verse 9 it says, And in this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest as he became the source of eternal salvation for all those who will obey him. Man. God stamped the okay. God says, well done, son. It's official. It's done. Done. I love that Jesus on the cross, here's one of his last statements. You could probably say it with me. Three words. What? It is finished. He probably was just hearing what the Father was saying in heaven. It's finished, son. It's finished, son. It's finished, son. You're almost here. You're almost here. I just polished your throne. I just got it ready. Some of the angels are already in place. They're singing of your coming. It's almost here. You're almost here. It is finished. It is finished. And Jesus on the cross says, it is 
is finished. And thank you because that's what Christmas is. And God, right then and there, qualifies him as the high priest. And, and we read in the Old Testament the, 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 the position of the high priest. The middleman that would pray over the sacrifices and over the offering and the sin offering. And, and, and he was the middleman that would bring the, the sin of Israel to the holy God so that God would forgive sinful Israel. But now, oh man, this is the beauty. We don't need necessarily a man as a high priest to forgive us of our sins because we have a God who's the high priest who forgives us already of all of our sins. God be the glory, amen, forever. He's the high priest. So I don't got to sit next to a man and I don't got to kiss a man's hand and I don't got to say whatever prayers a man tells me to say. I stand before the throne of God and God stands before me and he says, Son, your sins are forgiven. Says who? Me, the high priest that God has ordained. Come on, someone. That's Christmas. That's Christmas. And I can give him glory for that. That I just have access. I just come in at whatever time and whatever day that I desire. Doesn't have to be on the Sabbath. Doesn't have to be the Sabbath anymore. Because the Sabbath has been fulfilled by our high priest. The Sabbath is now a man. His name is Jesus Christ. Philip is speaking to Jesus, and in John chapter 14, verse 9, he's asking Jesus, you know, I want to see the Father. I want to see God. And Jesus just looks at Philip and says, where, where have you been, man? You've ever told a story before? You ever told a story? Or you've ever told a joke? Everyone starts laughing, and there's that one person that's like, I don't get it. And just lean in like, what well, didn't you get? I just explained everything to you, and everyone else got it in the room but you. Right, Philip was going through one of those moments. Jesus was living out before him. He's like, Jesus, I don't get it. How can I see God the Father? And Jesus looks at him and says, are you serious? Have I not broken this down for you enough? He says this. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you who he is? What is he really telling him? Here he is, right before your eyes. What is he really telling him? Here I am, unwrapping his glory so that you can see. It's me. I'm unwrapped. It's me. Are you serious? You haven't gotten it? You're still shaking the present? <laughs> Philip is like, Jesus. I'm not going to open it, so stop thinking I'm going to show you what's inside. But, but Jesus, I want to see what's inside. And Jesus is like, have I not already unwrapped it and revealed it to you? If you saw me, if you see me, you've already seen the Father. And this is interesting. Because the reason why it's interesting, because there was a time that all of this was impossible. Man was never able to see Jesus. And to be in such relationship with God and to be able to see him and touch him was unreal, impossible. It could never happen. Did you know that's biblical? It's impossible to touch, see God and then Philip is like, where's God? He's like, right here, touch me, see me. I love Thomas, right? I want to see if it's you. Come and touch me. Touch God. I dare you to touch God. He touches God. He starts to believe in him. 
That was impossible back in the days to do that. We know that because the Lord is speaking to Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 33 verse 20. And as he speaks to Moses, Moses asks God, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory, God. And what does God tell Moses in Exodus chapter 33 verse 20? Here it is. He says, you can't see my face. Cannot see my face because no man will ever be able to see me and what? can't see me and live, Moses. Are you crazy? It's actually not a good idea for me to show you myself. It's not going to be good for you. For you. And the Lord said, but, but, but this is what I'm going to do. He says, stand here. There's a place by me and you're going to stand on the rock. Everyone say, stand on the rock. Yeah, because I love that there's a passage in the New Testament that says there's two men. There's two men that are building a house. One man builds his house on the sand and God, Jesus says he's a foolish man because he builds his house on the sand and the winds come, the waves come, everything blows against that house and great is, is, great is its fall. But then there's a wise man. Everyone say wise man? Right. And he builds his house on the rock and the same wind and the same waves and the waters come crashing against that house and he stands the test of time because he stood on the rock. How cool is it? Man, way before Jesus ever shares that story, God tells Moses, oh, do me a favor. If you're going to stand anywhere, don't stand on sand. You want to see me for real for who I really am? You need to make sure of one thing. You need to stand on the right. You want to know that that rock is not necessarily just a rock. That rock is, symbol, is a symbol for something to come. And when he tells Moses, stand on the rock, he's really telling us, the reader of Exodus, you need to stand on Jesus if you ever want to see who God is. You need to stand on the rock who is Christ if you ever want to see the glory of God and who he is. Moses, you want to see my glory? Stand in my son. The only way you'll see me if you stand in the son. If you don't stand on Christ the son, you won't see the glory of the father. It's seen through the son. It's seen on the rock. That's why Jesus shares a story that there's a foolish and there's a wise man. The foolish one tries to, the foolish one tries to get to God and see God and find God in every other way except through Christ. Come on. But the wise one, he recognizes that the only way to see God and find God is through one who is Jesus Christ. And that's the truth of all people that are living today. Hey, good luck. Try to find God. You're never going to find him. Why? Because you're trying to find him on sand. Stand on the rock. Through Christ and in Christ, you will be able to find who God is. And he says, so it shall be that while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand when I pass by, and I will take away my hand, and you will see my back, and my face shall not be seen. I love that. I'm going to show you who I am on the rock, on Christ. And God was already with Moses here, preparing man for the unwrapping for Jesus Christ. Unwrapping Christmas is about unwrapping God through Christ. Unwrapping God through Christ. Don't ever, ever forget that. In order to know him. We were separated from sharing in all of his glory, but he came down and he shared with our humanity and he shared with our weaknesses so that we can share in his glories, in his strength, and in his power. How many of you could say amen? Come on, can you give God some praise there? The reason why I shared Hebrews chapter 4 earlier and I ended on verse 9 is because I really wanted to read verses 14, 15, and 16, and I needed to build up for 14, 15, and 16 
So do you know why I shared Hebrews 4, the unwrapping of God through Christ, why that is so important, the unwrapping of God through Christ, that is so important because of the next three verses I'm going to read to you. Guys, do not miss this at all. If you're not going to catch anything I say, catch this thing. Look at verse 14. Preach this before here. Catch it again during this Christmas time. He says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, but yet he did not sin, verse 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace, to the graciousness of our God. And in that throne of grace, there we will receive mercy, and there we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. Man, that's Christmas. That we could come with boldness, with confidence to his throne where grace and mercy is found and given to those who need it the most. How many of you need God's grace and God's mercy now more than ever? Guess where it's found? In the throne of God's grace where Jesus sits. And it was all possible because he came and took on flesh. That's awesome. Jesus speaks to Nicodemus and he says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who has come down from heaven. This is the Son of Man. It's me. In Proverbs chapter 30, such a wise scripture, look what it says. It says this, Who but God goes up to heaven and comes back down? God. That's it. Just God. Just Jesus. Who holds the wind in its fist? Come on, go outside and try to hold. It's nice and windy today. Go outside and try to hold the wind. I caught it. You can't do it. Only God can. Who wrapped? I love that word. Come on, wrapped. Yeah, I had to share this verse. Who wrapped the oceans in his cloak? You can't do that. You get seasick on the ocean. <laughs> you go out fishing and sometimes you don't catch any fish. You know why? Because even you are not in control of the ocean. But God, he says, I wrapped the ocean with my clothes. You kidding me? Who has created the whole wide world? What is his name? Church, what is his name? It's Jesus. Colossians teaches us that. What's his son's name? Tell me if you know. I love Proverbs. Come on, I dare you to tell me. We know today who it is. It's Christ Jesus. So, you know why we needed God to be unwrapped? All of this, God and his glory and him unwrapping himself through Jesus Christ. I get it now. God needed to be unwrapped. And here it is. That was all an introduction. Here's my message today. I promise you, I'm not even lying. But my message is short. My introduction was long. My message is short. It's a smile. Some of you are like, oh my God. I flipped it on you. Here's my message. God had to be unwrapped in order for me to be unwrapped. I would have never been unwrapped if God first was not unwrapped. Last week, we picked up the wrapping, the wrapping that was left for us. And I said, man, now we carry that wrapping, remember? And we carry it as a sign for others. We don't wrap ourselves again with it, but we just carry it as a sign to others. This is the wrapping that God's left. In John chapter 11, if you could turn there, and this is the story and the message that I'm going to end with, there's a situation in the life of Jesus, his good friend Lazarus is dead. 
Remember that story? And there's a whole situation, and they come to tell Jesus, God, uh, Jesus, your buddy Laz is gone. There's a situation, we've got to go back, Lazarus is dead. And in verse 4, if you could just flow with me, I'm going to skip a little bit here and there to get to my point. But in verse 4, look what he says. Jesus says this. He says, if you have a highlighter, pen, pencil, whatever your style is, or a pad to write notes, I would recommend for you to highlight this or write this down. Verse 4, Jesus says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the what? Glory of God. You should highlight that. The sickness is not the end. There's a glory that follows this. And the Son of God, so that he may be glorified through it. The NLT says this. It says, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it, it happened for the glory of God. In verse 5, 6, and 7, it says, so Jesus, he loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus. But, but he then, when he found out about Lazarus dying, Scripture says that Jesus stayed in the town that he was at for, for two more days. Instead of packing up your bags and going to see Lazarus, he stays behind. The awkward thing to do if someone that you love dies. And then out of nowhere, after two days of Lazarus dying, he, he looks at his disciples in verse 7, and finally he says to them, let's go back to Judea. I love that phrase, let's go. It's time. You know, Jesus had a whole agenda going on here. You know, Jesus had something down or up his sleeves, and he says, let's go back. And in verse 17, when Jesus arrives back to this place, he was told that Lazarus now has already been dead in his grave for four days. And in verse 20, Martha finds out that Jesus was coming. She runs out to meet him, it says. But Mary stays behind, and Martha tells Jesus, Lord, if you've only been here, my brother would not have died but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. And look what Jesus tells in verse 23. Your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise. But that's when everyone else rises at the last day. That's the last day when Jesus resurrects all the dead. I get it, Lord, yes. But then Jesus says, no, no, you don't get it. You think you get it. How many of us sometimes we think we get it and God has to slap us with his word and show us you didn't get anything? So Jesus says, listen, you don't get it. Look at verse 25. He says, I am the resurrection and the life and anyone who believes in me will live even after dying and everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never ever die. And do you believe this, Martha? What is Jesus saying there? I'm the resurrection and the life. Oh, I get it. I am the tomb and I am the manger, wrapped up. I'm it. So Jesus, in verse 39, gets to the place where Lazarus is laid. And in verse 39, he says, roll that stone away. I wonder how he said it, right? Roll the stone away. Roll the stone away. How, how do you say that? But when he said it, Martha, the sister, looks at him and says, Lord, He's been dead for four days. He smells terrible. Don't do that to my brother. Don't humiliate my family. He smells. Why would you do that to us? You came here to mock us? He smells. Any of us smell? Spiritually? 
Any of us smell? If I, saw, if I roll some rocks away, reveal who you really are to people. Any of us smell in here? He smells terrible. And she's like, girl, did I not tell you that you're going to see God's glory if you just believe? I love that. Girl, did you not know that you're going to see God's glory? Just believe. Darn it. I don't think he said darn it, but whatever. I love this. Because Jesus looks at the tomb now. And as he looks at the tomb, he says, Lazarus, come forth. And as he screams at the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. You just start seeing a man. Yeah. A man just walks out of a tomb. And and the beauty behind... The beauty behind the man coming out of a tomb, listen to this. He didn't have a helper with a camera around his neck. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And then Lazarus could stay put right there. But, but this is the beauty of this. Because some of you laughed. Some of you were like, what the heck? Some of you even thought, the baby got scared. Some of you even thought, this is weird. What? You don't think that happened the day Jesus did it? He looks at him and says, Lazarus, come forth. And it says that the dead man came out and his hands and his feet were bound in grave clothes. Another word was this. And it was wrapped in grave clothes. And his face was wrapped. Everyone say wrapped. Right. It was wrapped in headcloth. And Jesus looks at them and he tells them this phrase that blows my mind. He says, unwrap him and let him go. Oh, my God. Unwrap him. That's amazing. I'm going to ask Adrian just to come up here and be my helper. And as Adrian comes up here, I want you to see that Jesus doesn't even do it. He gives the command. And he says, unwrap him. And you let him go. And what a powerful story this is. What a powerful message this is. To unwrap him and let him go. Because as Jesus is saying this, we know that later on, Lazarus is alive because in chapter 12, he's actually having dinner with Jesus. And I believe that this passage is more than what our eyes just read in Scripture. I believe that this passage is deeper than that. Because here is Christ the Messiah who is fulfilling all prophecies. And he's unwrapping God. He's revealing to all who he is. And the way that he's doing this is by drawing near to man, becoming man, even speaking to the dead and calling them by name. And he says, Lazarus. And it says that when he said Lazarus, the dead man then comes out. There was a problem though with this man. He comes out from where he was dead, but he comes out wrapped up still. He still comes up bound by grave clothes. His hands are wrapped. His feet are wrapped. His head is still wrapped. And that's a problem for Jesus. And that's a problem for Lazarus. And today that's a problem for us. And Jesus knows that it's a problem. And because he knows it, he has to give this command, unwrap him and let him go. And I'm not sure there, but I'm sure that there were people in attendance on that day that thought this was a big old gimmick, just like you thought today when you laughed. This is funny. This is so stupid. 
kind of church is this? What kind of Jesus Messiah guy is this? This is not a cool joke to play today, Jesus. I'm sure many said that. I'm sure some of them even said this. That can't be Lazarus. There's no way that that's Lazarus. I saw when they were prepping his body for burial. He was dead. There's no way he's alive. I'm sure there were people saying, you know why? Because crowds always talk. And they don't always talk wise things. Sometimes the crowds say some stupid things. And I'm sure that in that crowd there were some stupid talk going on. That's why Jesus had to say, unwrap him already and let him go. So that everyone in attendance could see who I really am. Love that. I'm sure it was being said in the circles, yeah, right. Unwrap him. Go, I dare you to unwrap him, muscle guy. (laughs) I dare you to do that so that we can really see who's under that cloth. I dare you. You are not going to do it. Unwrap him. And Jesus' next words were, go ahead. Unwrap him and let him go. Here is God unwrapped. Unwrapping his friend Lazarus. And last week, Jesus left the tomb. And he left the wrapping there for us. And he didn't walk out bound by his grave clothes. As a matter of fact, Jesus wrapped his linens. And he left them in the tomb. Guys, Adrian, just slow down a little bit. But I want you to see this. (laughs) I got to preach about for five more minutes. Why would Jesus resurrect Lazarus and why would Jesus resurrect from the tomb and leave the wrapping all over himself still? He didn't walk out bound by grave clothes. He he didn't walk out wrapped with linens of death. So why would it be any different with this man today who is Lazarus to walk out? So he says, unwrap him and let it go. I want to share something that today I hope every single person leaves with. Here it is. Here's my message for today, Christmas Sunday. It makes no sense to be alive or say that we are alive in Christ, but yet continuing to identify yourself with things that are called to be dead. Don't tell me you're alive in Jesus but you're still wrapped up in death. Because no one who Christ has made alive should be still wrapped up with the things that represent death in their lives. If Christ took you out of death, then you leave things that represent death back in the tomb with death. It makes no sense to continue to identify ourselves with things that are dead or to be left for dead. So you unwrap him and you let him go because there's no way that my friend will be alive and continue to identify himself with death. Christmas is here. And let this serve as a reminder to you that he makes us alive, that he is a sign of life in the manger and a sign of death destroyed in the tomb. But we can't continue to be alive and yet identify with things that are called to be dead. There's got to be a point that if Christ has raised us up from the dead, then there should no longer be any grave clothes on and that still have you bound and wrapped. There should be a point where all that stuff is off you once and for all. How many of you could say amen? Amen. And if you say amen, then Christmas has power over your life. But if this is still you as a Christian, then you missed the Christmas message. Christmas has no power in our lives. And we missed how this season is to affect the rest of our lives. 
Come on, if you're alive, it's time to be unwrapped. He says his sickness want to end in death but for the glory of God. What is your sickness today? What's your blank? You fill in the blank. Ready? Your blank will not end in death but for the glory of God. What's in the blank today? I'll give you some. Your baggage, your sin, your regrets, your hurt, pain, your letdown, your abuse, your abortion, your divorce, your sexual sin. It will not end in death, but for the glory of God. What is it in your life today that you need God to unwrap you from once and for all? Because I believe that the Lord is saying this today. Your whatever it is that's in that blank will not end in death, but for the glory of God. And Jesus says, unwrap him, and you let him go once and for all. And that's a powerful statement, unwrapping Christmas. Because now as he unwraps him, you carry this as a sign for everyone else to see. Everyone else to see. You look at these wrappings, and I know it's funny today. And you guys already know who's behind this thing. But the beautiful thing is that this really happened in Jesus' day. People were unwrapping him. And there's a man that was inside that actually was dead for four days. That's actually alive now. And everyone's camera phones are out. And everyone is putting this up on social media. And everyone is telling everyone about this. And everyone is saying, no way. Could it really be Lazarus? And the unwrapping begins. I mean, this, <laughs> this is actually powerful. Unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him from the stuff that represents death. And in your life, I said, what's your blank? And, and as you take this off, maybe you're saying, well, Lord, here's my sin. Here's my sin, and it needs to be unwrapped. Like, think about... Think about what? Think about what this... No, seriously, think about this. And th think about what this means to you. Like, what this literally means. And I wrote some of this down. I said, Lord, here's my sin that, that once blinded me. So he unwraps it from my eyes. And here's my regret. It once crippled me. And he unwraps it from my arms. Like, think about what this is. Lord, here is my abuse. Here is my brokenness. Here is my sexual sin. Here is my divorce. It once stopped me from walking faithfully in Christ. So he unwraps it from my legs. And now as we take off the wrapping, we hold it in our hands. And now this wrapping that once had us dead and bound becomes a sign for the world to see that our God lives, that our God is able. If he unwrapped me from sin, what makes you think that he can't unwrap you from things that cause you to die? I'm going to end now. And this is what it's all about, Christmas. Jesus unwrapped from his glory so that he could unwrap me from my sin. Jesus came down from his glory so that he could unwrap me from my filth. And this is the message behind of what we're doing this week. This is what Jesus is about. And now as we hold the wrapping, we don't put it on us. We're not bound by it. And we're no longer wrapped in it. But now it's a sign 
to others. Oh, you're struggling. Oh, you're going through something. Let me share something with you. I don't know if you got my message when I preached about cloak. But just in case you forgot that there's a cloak and there's a quilt for you, there's also a wrapping. A wrapping that once had me bound. A wrapping that once had me dead. And now it's a sign to you so that you could recognize that once what was destroying me now becomes a hope so it could give you life. That's awesome. And that's what Christmas is. Christmas is about that right there. And I believe that with all my heart. It's now a wrapping that I hold as a sign of hope for others. Unwrapping Christmas. You know what happens with Lazarus? In verse 45, he continues to live. He doesn't go back to the grave. Verse 45 says, Many of the people who were with Mary, who were with Lazarus, they believed in Jesus when they saw what just happened. What does that mean? It talked about that. The stuff that once wrapped them, now just became a testimony so that others can believe. So you had a downfall. So you had a sin. You had a struggle. You have a pain. You have a separation. You have a brokenness. You think God actually called you to continue to live with that? The same power that unwrapped Christ is the same power that unwraps you. And if I believe in this Christ that was wrapped away from death, then I believe in the same power that could unwrap me from death. And now my wrapping is a testimony so that others can believe. I shared a verse last week in Psalm 116, verse 3 to 6, and I want to say it again. It says, death wrapped its ropes around me, and the terrors of the graves overtook me. And I only saw trouble and sorrow. But then I called on the name of the Lord, please, Lord, save me. And how kind this Lord is, how good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. That the Lord protects those with faith. He says, I was facing death. And now, he saves me. He takes off the wrapping. And the wrapping of the ropes of the terrors of the grave that overtook me no longer have power over me. Because God left his glory, unwrapped himself in his son, so that his son could then unwrap me from my sin. Merry Christmas. There is hope for you. He unwraps you because he was unwrapped for you. Receive that today. Unwrapping Christmas. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I want you to, if you want to close your eyes to to just meditate on your heart, to not be distracted. But if God is speaking to you today, and you know that you're alive in Christ, and you know you're a believer, but you continue to feel like, man, I'm just wrapped up with things that represent death. And I'm called after today's message to no longer identify myself with those things. If that's you, I want you to come up here, and I don't want you to even think about it. We want to pray for you. 
that today you would say unwrap me from my garments unwrap me from these things in my life oh Lord I want to be alive in you once and for all I shared in my introduction that hey it's not possible to get to God because of what Jesus has done so as you come up believe in that power believe that now Christ draws near to you believe that now you could touch him now you could see him now you could come before his throne now there is enough mercy and grace in the time that you need it most now what once man never was able to do you can now do freely right here on a Sunday you could say Lord here I am out of my tomb but unwrap me from all these other things in my life that continue to have a hold on me Lord unwrap me and let me go the altar's open. We're going to worship the Lord with a song. But if you need prayer and you need to come before the Lord and say, Lord, unwrap me and let me go, I encourage you to come up and ask the Lord to unwrap you today. Thank you, Jesus.